My name is Melanie Standish. And I'm Tom Yumet. And this is the Hive Mind Escape Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hive Mind Escape Podcast. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about our trip to London in part one of our Rewind series. So in November of 2019, we decided we were going to go to England. Why did we go to England, Melanie? We went to England because I was presenting at a conference in Birmingham, England, and I said, hey, if I have to go out there anyway, why not make a trip of it? And naturally, we did some escape rooms, which is what we plan on talking about today. Yeah, it was my uh, my first time overseas ever. I actually got a passport for this trip specifically, and uh, obviously our first time overseas together. I mean, it's not been our first trip together on a plane, but... Uh, Definitely the longest. Oh, absolutely. I remember uh, we took took the plane. We had to stop and do our layover in Dublin. We then took the very small, short plane ride to uh, Birmingham. And then we decided we wanted to go into London that day. So then we waited for our train, took a train into London. And by that point, we had been traveling for I don't even know how long. It's Way too long, way too long. I mean, we, we described ourselves as uh, soggy at the end of it because you just got the little bit of sweat on you. England's kind of wet. I mean, it's misting and raining. So we were we were pretty tired. Uh, we uh, we stopped at our hotel, checked in, got some food, took a shower, <laughs> much needed, much needed shower, and uh, took a nap. And uh, after about, like, what, an hour, hour and a half nap, uh, immediately had to go because, you know, it's time for escape rooms. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, the first escape room we did was uh, called Papa Plock's Wonky Workshop by Handmade Mysteries. Uh, these guys were over in Islington, which was about a 45-minute walk from Hyde Park, which was where the area mm-hmm. we were staying. Um, you know, stopped for a beer on the way, but made a proper night of it. We made it over there, and uh, they, do, they do escape rooms a little differently over in England. Oh, my goodness. But talk about a way to kick off our escape room experience in England. Of course. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, so the way these guys work is they're not like you walk into a lobby and there's your escape room. You know, you're waiting there, twiddling your thumbs while the game master getting ready, you're signing waivers. You're actually waiting in a bar. Um, for this one, it was a like a local theater where mm-hmm. you can get you know beers and wines and stuff. And we're waiting in there, waiting in there for a while. Uh, we were quite early, but uh, after a little bit, um, you know, in walks this giant toy soldier man. And uh, he comes marching in, loud, you know, not uh, not obnoxious, but how would you describe him? I Theatrical, I suppose. He, I mean, he made his presence known because he was in this, like, bright red marching suit. And uh, he, he immediately knew who we were. We told the people at the front desk of the bar, I think, that we were there for the escape room. And they must have tipped him off, I think, because he immediately walked toward us, didn't he? Yeah, he came, he kind of beeline for I guess we, uh... We stick out as Americans in a crowd of uh, English. But, uh, yeah, no, so he started off right uh, right away making jokes, making us laugh, making us feel kind of at ease. Um, so that was the thing about these escape rooms is he was part of the escape room. It's not just, you know, hey, I'll be your game master. My name is so-and-so. It was, hey, I'm a character in this game, and, like, you're going you're gonna to have a good time because, you know, he was playing with us, making jokes, even the waiver signing process, I remember oh my walking up the stairwell and just laughing the whole time because 
And it was so bizarre. He like, I don't know if this probably isn't for all their rooms because they have rooms spread throughout London, but you walked up this dark like hallway and you weren't really sure where he was bringing you. So I remember being slightly scared about this and it was slightly intimidating too because he was just like seen in the glow of a flashlight. But yeah, it was a really neat experience. And this is all before the escape room even started. I mean, he pretended to be a toy soldier, so you had to like wind him back up to talk. And it was oh, just. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. that. I remember that. He kind of powered down, and then we're like, hello. And uh, <laughs> you wound up his stomach, and he's like, oh, hey. And he's back talking to us. I remember distinctly walking in this room because I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. And I remember walking in this room, and it was really dark. And you couldn't really see anything. And I was like, oh, boy, it's going to be one of those rooms where the whole time I'm like, what? What's that? And you can't see. Um, but the way they did it was, like, you know, the part of the room you should be focusing on kind of lit up. And, and that way you knew not like a like a choo-choo train, like making sure you're railroading somebody how to do it. But it was more so of a gentle nudge in the right direction. You could see the rest of the room. But the parts that you really need to focus on were active, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we, sh- we should tell everyone the theme. Do we want to read the description of the room? Oh, yeah. So straight from the Handmade Mysteries website, Papa Pluck's wonky workshop at The Depot. This bonkers escape room game takes place within a secret room of The Depot pub in Islington, guaranteed to provide you and your team with a whole lot of fun and silliness as you take on the 60-minute challenge of the twisted toy maker Papa Pluck. Guided by Oki, the outrageous ventriloquist dummy, your team must complete Plock's penultimate creation by taking on the crazy clues, contraptions, and characters within. And I think the description of the room really shows just how creative this was, because prior to going to England, I don't think we saw any toy workshop-esque type rooms in the United States. I mean, aside from your Santa's workshop with, you know, the elf toys and stuff like that, I don't think I've seen anything... Anything like that. And um, like you were saying before, it was more of a dark take on a workshop, toy workshop, because uh, these rooms are definitely aimed more towards adults. Uh, Some of the humor is a little more risque. I mean, um, if you want to... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. I think that... um, Well, I think one of the funny parts is that they joke with you. And, I mean... The jokes are poking fun at you, maybe calling you names. I don't know if he did that specifically. I don't think calling you names is the right way to say it. It's more of they're, they're having fun with you being the butt of the joke, but it, all in good play because, you know, the game master is there to also have fun. They don't just want to sit behind a camera and stare at you and say, you need a clue? Because that's just, I mean, that gets old after a little while. So I think our game master, uh, whose name is Liam, um, did a fantastic job. Um, I don't think we would have been able to kick off our escape room extravaganza in England any better with anyone else. Oh, absolutely. And I think, uh, rewinding just a little bit, one of the creative things about having this person as an actor in the room is that they actually go into their space where they can see and hear you, but if you need a clue, they actually came out of the room, and they were an actor in the room with you and and didn't show you things, but kind of nudged you in the right direction, often through humor. And I I don't know, how did you feel about that? You know, we've had the experience where there's been a game master in the room, but they're either like hiding in the corner or, you know, not so like engrossed with the game itself. Um, 
I thought at first I was going to be like, oh boy, you know, he's in the room, but I just wish he was in the room the entire time as the peanut gallery, like making jokes about what we're doing. Like, you know, you didn't look in the right spot, dum-dum. Like, it's stuff like that was very humorous. And like, like I said, you know, he did not break character the entire time. I think the finally when we heard his real voice was after we had escaped and we were done it was time for, you know, the traditional pictures and talk about the room kind of thing. The entire time before that, he was in character, and it was just, I think it was just a phenomenal time. Yeah, no, it was great. He really didn't break character. It was funny, because that was the first day, mind you, that we were in England. So afterwards, I don't even think I realized he broke character, because I forgot he had an English accent at first. So when he started talking at the end, I was like, oh, he's still in character. I'm like, wait, no, he's not. He just has an English accent. That's just the way he talks. <laughs> yeah, that was, I thought, you know, that was a really interesting thing to go from, you know, American escape rooms and going over to English escape rooms, because in America, we have, sometimes there's a theme where somebody pops on an English accent, and they're talking to you. But here, that's just the way they talk. Um, it, it didn't really affect us too much in London for the, the three rooms we did here. Um, but I think, I mean, I think it did eventually catch up to us, the uh, culture difference between oh America and uh, England. Well, we will touch on our Birmingham and Stratford-upon-Avon experiences probably in our next podcast or in another one at least. But uh, one of the things, one of the small cultural differences is that we didn't know that there was such thing as an egg cup. Um, and we <laughs> thought it was a cup. <laughs> it looked like a shot glass Or a shot glass, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks like a little shot glass, but apparently it's what you, uh, what do they call it? Uh, eggs, eggs and, and soldiers, soldiers. Yeah. Which is, you know, a soft boiled egg where they cut the top off and you dip like almost like French toast sticks, but you like little toast sticks in the top and you just use it as like a tipping sauce using the yolk but uh yeah that was a, was a weird thing we had to ask for like what what is this um at the end which felt really like like oh my gosh i'm so stupid i didn't know what a what an egg cup was but uh yeah no after after papa plucks i mean we were we were riding that escape room high and we're like sitting here like you know let's do another one it's it, at this point it's like uh probably what nine o'clock at night mm-hmm. and uh we knew there was more in the area, not too far, but in the area. And um, we needed to get a little bit of food. So we called over to another room in the area called Mission Breakout uh, and signed up for their room, Code Breakers. It was at their location that was actually in an abandoned, um, no, not abandoned, more of a... It was a shutdown. It was a such shutdown tube station. Retired. I think retired yeah, is the word I was going they, for. They called it the ghost tube station, and it was neat because... It, uh, the area was weird. It was like this industrial door they had to ring into, and then it was like a spiral staircase going yeah, down. Yeah, you had to go place. down, and they still had all the old signage up. But it was like an old retired tube station um, where, you know, you're underground and in these, you know, these thick concrete walls, like, just surrounded fully. Um, uh, it also doubled as a bomb shelter. So uh, the room we did was actually, you know, a bomb shelter theme where um, we were code breakers in the war. The room starts out and you get to put on an old military style jacket and you enter the room. And um, once you're inside, you get the, the usual spiel from a game master saying, you know, don't touch this, touch that, make sure you're doing this, let's work together, all that good stuff, how, do, how the clue system works and all that. Um, and right off the bat, I remember seeing like, a, felt like a million puzzles. Like everywhere we were looking, there was a puzzle. And um, we just kind of, you know, started divide and conquer. We, you know, I ran left, you ran right, and we kind of went with it. Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, one of the things that I thought was really interesting 
about the room as Americans is that this room is from the English perspective. So like in an American nuclear World War II themed escape room, you have like all of the American names and the president at the time. Yeah, no, it was really interesting to be getting our information from Winston Churchill, you know. Uh, he was a bit, very big part of the room, which what's really interesting is, is this is, you know, described as a true story about, you know, how how it actually worked. Well, you know, it wasn't we were playing real characters and doing real things. It was this is actually how code breaking would work within, uh, you know, the war and it, the war effort. It was really a, an interesting take because, like you said, you know, it's the English side. It's not the American side where we've we've done a bunch of you know, wartime rooms in America where it's like we kind of know how the gist of it works. Over there, it was a little different, you know. Then the whole time you're also immersed because you're in this, you know, bomb shelter. So you're you're like, wow, not only am I playing a story that's real, I'm in a place that's real that was really used for the war, war effort. And, like, I didn't think there was anything wrong with the room per se. I remember being, uh, I think it was a combination of tired and probably a little hungry, but uh, towards the end of it, I was getting a little more frustrated with some of the more difficult puzzles. I, I, I don't know if difficult is the word. I don't think difficult was the word. I think it was an overly complex puzzle, which I think we've talked about in rooms before. When you have a puzzle that is like multi-step and just... You know, if it takes 20 minutes for one puzzle, that's, I mean, that's a third of your time. That's that's a bit much. And by the 10-minute mark, you're like, oh my goodness, can this be over yet? Like... You you need to keep somebody entertained, and, and towards the end, I was just losing the entertainment, the wow factor. You know, um, looking around the room was cool, and seeing all the different cool props they had. But like, props only do so much for me when I I know there's this giant puzzle that I'm looking at, and you know, it's kicking my butt. I would agree with that. I also think um, I think the novelty of the room itself was definitely its location, its history. I think. Also, someone who's never done a nuclear theme that goes in there would be amazed. Um, but in the U.S., at least for us, we have seen multiple save the world, nuclear fallout type escape rooms. So it wasn't a new theme necessarily for us. So I'm sure that someone who goes there would be pretty amazed by it. Oh, definitely. For a first timer, it would be a really fun experience. So after after we got back to our hotel, um, we you know turned in for the night and decided... The next day was going to be our tourist day. Uh, we spent a lot of this day doing the typical things. You know, we saw the, the changing the guard, which we accidentally stumbled upon. Um, we went to Big Ben. We saw, you know, the London Dungeons. We went on the London Eye. But we got kind of bored of the touristy stuff and did another escape room. <laughs> which at, is pretty typical. Yeah, this one was at uh, Handmade Mysteries yet again with uh, Liam's lovely recommendation to go and do Lady Chastity's Reserve, which the description of this one isn't much, but we have a lot to say about this room. Uh, are you ready to play Central London's premier escape room experience? Get ready to escape the world you know and enter a bizarre universe of colorful characters and ludicrously twisted puzzles. Guided by your host, Gabriel, you and your team have an hour to unravel the mysteries of Lady Chastity's untimely demise and seek out her fabled aphrodisiac wine. Will you win and wet your whistle, or lose and wet your pants? I think this description is actually pretty fun. It kind of gets you in the mood for what you're what you're getting in for. Because I I'll tell you, I was like expecting something from this because of how crazy cool Papa Plox was. But holy moly, was I not <laughs> was I not expecting what we got from this room? 
I think the handmade mysteries in general is definitely geared more towards adults. Um, this one especially. This one especially from the moment. And it's the same thing as Papa Plox where you start off in a bar and someone can, comes and gets you. In this case, I like to say sultry maiden comes and gets Lady you. Lady of the night. Lady of the night um, <laughs> comes and gets you. And I mean, from the moment she pulled us out of the bar, I mean, she began flirting with us hard. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, of course, it was a little awkward because you're like, oh, wait a second. First off, some stranger is, you know, making sexual innuendo jokes towards us. But second off, you know, she's got a British accent and it's a little weird. But uh, no, I thought it was all, I mean, it was a very, very fun experience because while that's awkward at first, it really does break down those, you know, this is a new person we're talking to barriers and let's see be a little more comfortable. She was joking with us right away, you know, memorized our names almost instantaneously, which is like... Some people are, you know, you have to tell them your name two or three times. And for me, like, they're like, oh, hey, Tim. And I'm like, oh, I already told you my name is Tom, like, five times. <laughs> but that's okay. But, uh, you know, Gabriel was, she was amazing. Um, I remember going into the room and just looking around and being like, like, holy crap. The set design in here is, like, crazy. There was, like, a nice light fog to make it kind of feel more dusty and old. Because the whole concept of this is, you know, nobody's been here in a long time because, you know, uh, Lady Chastity perished and you have to figure out like why and also try to win a bottle of wine and i actually think that's why um liam sent us there because he said oh if you haven't tried this room you should you have a chance to win a bottle of wine and uh tom doesn't necessarily enjoy wine but i love wine so i was totally up for the challenge so we we did get the bottle of wine by the way yeah wasn't the best wine but still a very good gift. yeah it was uh <laughs> it was an interesting i don't know maybe something happened when we uh took it back over here to america but uh it, i'm not a wine fan but uh i I'll, I'll i'll defer to the experts melanie and her mother said it was um it was okay yeah uh but i think the novelty of the bottle itself and everything was just like you know, you had something physical more than a picture or a sticker mm-hmm. or something like that. When you're walking away, you have a bottle of wine that you can be like, hey, look, I won. <laughs> no, exactly. And I think that's, I mean, we've seen escape rooms where you get like stickers at the end. Sometimes you might be able to get a discounted t-shirt. If you complete all the rooms, you get a t-shirt. But I think this is the first, like, this is your goal. You get to take your goal with you if you get it, you know? Yeah, I remember this room. It was just like it's just so interactive where you know if we need a clue we can talk to gabriel and she would come out and talk with us but like the rest of the room was just everything flowed so well that like there was never a point where we absolutely got stuck and i had i was doing a puzzle and melanie was doing a different puzzle um and i just i couldn't I couldn't do it, you know, like, I, like there was never a point where I felt unhappy because if there was a puzzle that I was struggling on, we'd just kind of rotate and she'd take over and I'd go do a different puzzle. There was so much to do in that room. I, I remember being like blown away by the sheer amount of puzzles and it wasn't over the top. It wasn't too many puzzles. It was the right amount for, for the room. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, there's like five in just this corner. It was very well spread out. Now, was this the room where we realized that England rooms in particular count the number of clues that you take regardless of if you ask or not? Correct, yeah. And it's not so much like you have three hints to get out. It's every nudge or mention of like, hey, you know, maybe try that lock one more time kind of counts as, quote unquote, a hint. And um, I thought this was interesting because they're like, 
you know, you got out with 10 hints. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean by that? Because I definitely only remember asking you for help two times. And, uh, you know, they explained that, you know, no, you know, you may have asked for help two times, but we saw you needed a little nudge here and there, so we helped you out. And uh, I remember them saying, you know, like, you had 10, and, and I was, like, sitting here like, oh, man, now I feel like a, like a noob. Like, I don't know anything. You know, at this point, we were at probably, like, 60 or, mm-hmm. 60 or 70 rooms, and it's like, oh, my goodness, what did, what did I do wrong? And she's like, oh, that's, you know, that's great. Usually we have to give people like 15 or 20. So you guys are well underneath. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. Like, <laughs> I couldn't believe that uh, some people got like 15 clues. But then, you know, I think back to the times where you and I have run a room. And yeah, like we give people their three clues. But there's plenty of times where we're like, hey, you know, try the lock again. Or, hey, did you look in that corner? Or, you know, make sure you're, you're thinking outside the box, stuff like that. There's a lot of times where we interact with the person in the room. Um that I guess would be interpreted as a clue over in uh, England. Yeah, it was interesting. I don't know if I liked it or not because I think it was an initial shock for us because normally you get your three hints in a room and then they'll record whether or not you use them. But this was definitely new for us. And I don't know because I don't know what the purpose was necessarily because they don't give you a hint limit, but then you don't ask for hints. And so I... I don't, I don't know what the purpose was. You know, walking away from that, it's like, okay, I used 10 hints. I feel worse than I do better. Like, do you improve upon that in, the, in their other rooms? Because if you can't control the hints, then... Yeah, I mean, I don't think so much they're, like, trying to make you feel bad. I think we feel bad because in America we're used to, you got three hints, and that's it. I think they're supposed to help you feel like, you know, you, you didn't do that bad because, you know, Joe Schmo and his two kids just used 27 clues in the same room, you know. <laughs> Um, so I think I think uh, I, th- I think it was a, a, a cool change in culture um, between America and England. No, I, I would agree with that. And I mean, overall, that really kicked off our trip in England nicely. I mean, London I was remember awesome. riding that escape room high for the whole whole trip back to Birmingham, and then just like. I mean, still to this day, I think we like remember remember Papa Fox and like remember remember Lady Chastity's Reserve, like how cool that was, and we still have discussions. And it's I mean, it's only been you know what is that uh, two months now since uh, since we played these games, but wow, it was just a great experience. Way 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 too cool to to start off our trip. Like I couldn't believe how awesome it was. Absolutely, and I mean to think that. That set our bar pretty high, but we'll talk about uh, in a future podcast about Birmingham and how really just everything continued to basically exceed our expectations. Oh, escape rooms fell into place um, quite well. I mean, we did we did these three rooms in uh, London, and then from there, towards the end of the trip, the rest of the week, we did ten more. So we'll talk about that in part two of our series on Rewind England. Uh, this was just the London portion, so we're going to break this out into two. That way we're not talking your ears off forever. Uh, next episode will be about Birmingham and Stratford-upon-Avon. We will uh, post on social media when that episode is coming out. And remember, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the same at hivemind underscore escape. Also, you know, you can reach out to us on our website. There's a contact form. If you have any questions for us or want us to address anything on our podcast, we can do that. Just go ahead and reach out. It's on the main page. And if you want, we actually just got a Facebook page, something we overlooked when we were making our social media accounts. You can go ahead and like us on Facebook, and you can keep up with all of our escape room shenanigans there. Yeah, we hope to continue to release all of our podcast episodes on Sundays. So thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time.
Thanks again for all the patience. Today was a uh, little bit of a later day. We accidentally stumbled into six escape rooms this weekend. So stay tuned to hear about that one. Yes, uh, shout out to Escape Artistry, which we did yesterday and today because they really left us with an escape room high, which is what made us so excited for this podcast too, regardless of whether or not we were talking about them. Catch you next time. See ya. Thank you.